Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. In our series, Invincible, we're talking about conquering the 10 mountains that separate you from the blessed life God has planned for you. In the Bible, a mountain was a metaphor for impossible situations. And today we're going to discover how to conquer, how to scale the mountain of bitterness by moving from bitterness to forgiveness. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. When someone offends us or wrongs us, anger is a natural response. But when we allow that anger to simmer and fester, the real problems begin. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress explains how to overcome resentment before it completely destroys the blessed life that God has planned for you. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. I'm a visual person, as many of you are, and I enjoy keeping special notes on my desk and on my office walls that remind me of God's promises throughout the day. Well, as we plan to present the Invincible Teaching Series to you this month, I ask our staff to help me create 10 encouragement cards for you. Each card identifies a common mountain that stands in our way. Obstacles like bitterness, materialism, and loneliness. These are barriers that keep us from receiving God's blessings in our lives. In addition to citing the particular mountain we're talking about, I've included my favorite Bible verse that helps you conquer that mountain. And I want you to have this complete collection of 10 encouragement cards so that you can display them in a highly visible place in your home or office. These are the promises of God that help you to become invincible. And the encouragement cards are my gift to you as you follow the simple instructions at ptv.org. Plus, I've written a book on this topic. It contains 10 chapters, and it addresses the subject we're going to tackle on today's program, only in much more detail. You can request a hardbound copy of my book, Invincible, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. David and I will say more about my book and other helpful resources later in today's program. But right now, I'd like you to join me in Ephesians chapter 4 for the next message in this series. I titled today's message, Moving from Bitterness to Forgiveness. It's an old story, but it's still one of my favorites. The story about the man who was bitten by a dog that was later discovered to have rabies. They rushed the man to the hospital and did tests and discovered that he too had contracted the dreaded disease. This was in the day before there was any cure for rabies, so the doctor had the choice of informing his patient that his case was both terminal and incurable. We'll try to do everything we can, the doctor said, to make you comfortable, but I strongly urge you to get your affairs together as quickly as possible. Well, the patient was stunned. He couldn't believe it. Finally, he summoned the strength to ask for some paper and a pen, and he began to write as fast as he could. About an hour later, the doctor came by to check up on his patient, and he saw that the man was still writing. The doctor said, well, I'm glad to see you're getting your will together. The man looked up and said, doc, this ain't no will. It's a list of all the people I'm going to bite before I die. 
You know, we all carry around a list like that in our minds, don't we? People we want to bite or at least get even with (laughs) before we die. Your list might include an employer who has mistreated you. Maybe a friend who betrayed you. Maybe a mate who abandoned you. Possibly even a relative who abused you. Have you discovered that you cannot control what other people do to you? As hard as you try, you cannot control what people do to you. But you can control your response to those hurts that come into your life. You can either release them, let them go, or you can hold on to them and turn them over and over again in your heart until they metastasize into a tumor of bitterness. That's why the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no one of you comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Bitterness is a deadly acid that not only destroys the container in which it's kept the heart, but when it seeps out, it destroys everyone and everything it comes into contact with. I can tell you after 40 years of being in ministry, I would say the number one issue Christians and non-Christians struggle with is the issue of forgiveness. Either receiving God's forgiveness for their own sins or extending that forgiveness to others who wronged them. In our series, Invincible, we're talking about conquering the 10 mountains that separate you from the blessed life God has planned for you. In the Bible, a mountain was a metaphor for impossible situations. Remember, Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can do what? You can move mountains. Now, obviously, that was hyperbole, but he was saying, you don't have to be victims of impossible situations. You can conquer those mountains that separate you from the abundant life Jesus promised you. And today, we're going to discover how to conquer how to scale the mountain of bitterness by moving from bitterness to forgiveness. I can say without any hesitancy that no decision you make affects your physical, emotional, or spiritual health any more than the issue we're talking about today, moving from bitterness to forgiveness. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. First of all, What is the source of bitterness? Two words, unresolved anger. In fact, on your outline, I put a little uh, formula that will help you understand bitterness and its cause. Unresolved anger plus time equals bitterness. Now, what is anger? Anger is the natural, physical, and emotional reaction to perceived injustice. It is a natural, physical, and emotional reaction to a perceived injustice. Notice three components of that definition of anger. First of all, anger is natural. Do you know the reason you get angry? It's because you're made in the image of God who gets angry. Genesis 1.27 says, God created men and women in his image. And although sin that came into the world in Genesis 3, although sin has certainly tainted and marred the image of God, 
there's still a remnant of that image that exists not only in Christians, but in non-Christians alike. And the reason that we get angry is because God gets angry. Did you know in the Hebrew Old Testament, uh, the word anger in Hebrew is used 475 times. 355 of those times, it refers to the anger of God. God is a God who becomes angry over many things, including injustice. Now, for those of you who say, well, that's just the Old Testament God. I like the God of the New Testament better, Jesus, because he never got angry. Oh, really? Read again. I mean, he got angry at the religious hypocrites, the Pharisees. He overturned the money changers and their tables in the temple. He got angry over injustice, and that's why we get angry. Secondly, anger is based on perceived injustice. We get angry when we perceive an injustice has occurred. Uh, There's a trial going on that has captivated uh, American attention. It is over a police officer in Minneapolis who is accused of murdering a suspect who was in his custody. And uh, when we watch that video of that officer kneeling on this man's neck for nine minutes, there is something about it that causes all of us to be repulsed. We look at that and we say, how could such a thing be? We get angry because of the injustice. Now, the defense is going to argue we don't have all of the story. And that's why I say we get angry over perceived injustice. Maybe we don't have all the information. Maybe we do. But whenever we perceive an injustice has been done, we get angry. And then the third component of this definition, anger always results in a response. Anger has to express itself. It always results in a response. Let me ask you a question. Is love wrong? Well, it depends, doesn't it? If you're talking about loving your mate, loving God, loving your children, no, love isn't wrong, it's right. But if you're talking about loving somebody else's mate or loving greed, or loving pornography, then love is wrong. It depends. But notice about anger. You could say the same thing. Is anger wrong? Well, it depends. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, look at this. Paul says, be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Isn't that interesting? Be angry, but don't sin. Never in the Bible does it say, be lustful, but don't sin. Or be greedy, but don't sin. Greed and lust are always wrong, but not anger. It depends upon how we respond to that anger. In a companion book of the New Testament, the book of Colossians, Paul explains this about anger and the natural responses of it. In Colossians 3, 8, he writes, but now you also put them all aside, anger, Wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Now, anger is a general term. Every other word here is an expression of an anger. You can respond to anger with wrath or with malice or with slander or abusive speech. Let's just look at these first two expressions of anger. Put them all aside, anger, wrath, and malice. Bill and Tom were two friends who were drinking coffee at an all-night diner. 
It was about one o'clock in the morning, and uh, they got to philosophizing, and they were talking about the difference between irritation, anger, and rage. And Bill said to his friend, let me show you the difference between the three. He said, let me show you irritation. He picked up his cell phone, put it on speakerphone, and dialed a random number, one o'clock in the morning. Person on the other end groggily answered, hello. Bill said, is Jones there? There's nobody named Jones here. And he slammed the phone down. Bill said to his friend, now that's irritation. Let me show you anger. About five minutes later, he calls the same number. Is Jones there? I told you there's nobody named Jones here. He slams down the phone. Bill said, now that is anger. Now let me show you rage. He calls the same number for a third time. The phone rings and rings and rings and rings. And finally, the person answers, what do you want now? Bill said, this is Jones. Have there been any calls for me? (laughs) There's a difference between wrath and malice. When you get angry, angry, you're going to respond. Sometimes you respond with wrath. That word wrath is the word we get rage from. Have you ever had somebody say just the wrong thing to you at the wrong time? It's just like it pushed a button, the wrong button on you. And all of a sudden, your mouth became like Mount Vesuvius. You started spreading and spilling out this venom. I mean, that's, that's what we call rage. We talk about people in a blind rage. They can't even control themselves. But other times, when you get angry with somebody, better sense prevails. Maybe it's with an employer or a mate, and you decide to internalize that feeling of anger. That's what malice is. Malice is that inward ill will you feel for another person. You're not overtly angry with them. In fact, people brag on you for how well you're controlling your anger, but inside you're seething. And you look for any opportunity to act or speak against the other person or to do them ill. That's malice. And the Bible says if you contain malice in your heart for a long enough period of time, that turns into bitterness. Make no mistake about it. Anger suppressed is just as deadly in your heart as anger expressed. And that's why, again, Hebrews 12, 15 says, see to it that none of you come short with the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and defiles many. What are the consequences of long-term unresolved anger of bitterness? First of all, there are real physical consequences to bitterness. The late Christian psychiatrist, Dr. Frank Minereth, noted that anger decreases the lymphocytes in our bodies and result in depressed antibodies necessary to fight infectious diseases. In fact, Dr. Minereth made this comment. He said, quote, pent up anger is probably the leading cause of death in America. Isn't that amazing? A doctor, a psychiatrist saying the leading cause of death in America is unresolved anger. Secondly, beyond physical consequences, there are emotional consequences. That word bitterness comes from a Greek word, three letters, P-I-C, pick. When the writer says, let 
no one comes short of the grace of God that no root of bitterness springs up. That word bitterness, pick, perfectly describes what bitterness is. Instead of letting a hurt heal, a person who's bitter keeps picking at that offense, reliving it over and over again in his mind, not realizing he's doing himself much more harm than the other person even knows about. When you pick, when you relive a hurt over and over again, you're allowing your offender to keep hurting you, which makes no sense whatsoever. I think about James Garfield, who had been president of the United States for only really less than four months when he was shot in the back with a revolver on July 2nd, 1881. While Garfield was still conscious, the doctors did everything they could to probe that wound and to find the bullet, and they were unable to do so. Through the months of July and August of 1881, Garfield hung on to life, but eventually he died in September of 1881, not from the gunshot wound. He died from an infection that was caused by the doctor's constant probing of that wound. What a great example of what happens when we refuse to let go and instead hold on to an offense and relive it over and over again. One of the greatest illustrations of the emotional consequences of bitterness comes from Charles Dickens' classic novel, Great Expectations. Do you remember the character Miss Havisham in Great Expectations? In the prime of her life, she was engaged to be married. The date for the wedding was set. It was going to be at nine o'clock in the morning. The wedding chapel was filled with family members and friends. There was going to be an elaborate reception at her parents' estate. But at 10 minutes till nine, word came that her fiance was not going to be coming. He had fallen in love with another and married her instead. Dickens says at that very moment, time stopped. Weeks, months, years passed, but not for Miss Havisham. The clocks in her mansion from that point on were set at 10 minutes till nine o'clock so that she could remember what had happened to her. Every morning she would get up and put on her white wedding dress and spend the day sitting in that dress. Years passed. The wedding gown became yellowed and tattered with age, but she still dressed up in it every day. For decades, the food and desserts that had been planned for the reception continued to lay on the table where they had been first set. Over a period of years, they became rotten and covered with mold. Rodents scurried in and out of the room where the reception was going to take place. Many years later, Miss Havisham said to a visitor, on this day of the year, Long before you were born, this heap of decay was brought here. It and I have worn away together. The mice have gnawed at it, and even sharper teeth than the teeth of mice have gnawed at me. That's what bitterness does. It gnaws at your very soul. But the physical, emotional consequences of bitterness pale in comparison to the spiritual consequences of bitterness. What happens spiritually when you refuse to forgive another? Remember the parable told in Matthew chapter 18 by Jesus? There was a slave who owed the king 
10,000 talents of gold. A talent was about 70 or 80 pounds of gold. And here was a slave who owed the king 10,000 talents. I did a calculation. That would be about $16 billion in today's uh, dollars. The slave owed him and the king said, I want my money and I want it now. And the slave said, king, please be patient and I will repay you everything. Not sure exactly how he planned to repay $16 billion, but he begged for mercy. And that hardened king, seeing that slave bow down and beg for his life, something was moved inside of that hardened king. He had mercy on him, and Jesus said he forgave him. He released the slave of what was owed. The Bible says the slave got up, thanked the king, and off he went. And his first stop was to a friend of his, a fellow slave who owed him 100 denarii. A denarius was 16 cents. 100 denarii would be $16. And he grabbed that fellow slave by the nape of the neck and began to choke him and say, repay me what you owe me. And that second slave said, be patient with me and I will repay you everything. But unlike the king, this first slave was unwilling to forgive. And when the king heard about what had happened, he had that first slave dragged into the palace and seething with anger, the king said, how is it that you who have been forgiven so much could refuse to forgive so little? And then the king ordered that the slave be turned over to the torturers in prison until he should repay everything. And then Jesus added this to his audience. Matthew 18, 35, so shall my heavenly father do the same to you if each of you does not forgive your brother from your heart. When we understand the great debt from which God has forgiven us, we have the obligation to extend that same forgiveness to those who wrong us. Jesus is not at all denying the wrong that may have been done to you, the real hurt that you may be experiencing. He's not asking you to deny that hurt. He's just asking you to keep it in perspective. He said, remember the difference between how much that other person has hurt you and how much you have hurt God is the difference between $16 and $16 billion. And then, just in case anybody misses it, Jesus said again in Matthew 6, 14 to 15, here are the spiritual consequences of unforgiveness. If you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. There's so much more I want to say about this topic of forgiveness because I know that someone's listening right now who's in the middle of a painful situation. Perhaps you've been betrayed by someone you once trusted or hurt by a colleague who lied to you. As your radio pastor and Bible teacher, let me assure you that God wants to move mountains for you and he knows how you feel. Remember, Jesus endured betrayal by his friends hatred from his adversaries, and even humiliation from those who nailed him to the cross. Even so, he graciously extends forgiveness to anyone who's ready to receive it. And now, I want you to take your next steps. I've written a full-length book for you called Invincible, and there's an entire chapter devoted to helping you move from bitterness to forgiveness. 
When you apply the wisdom of the Bible to your life, you'll discover that over time, God will move mountains for you, even the mountain of bitterness. Let me send you a copy of my book, Invincible. It's yours when you give a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory. Thanks in advance of receiving your much-needed gift. While I'm the voice you hear on this program, you're the one who empowers the mission of Pathway to Victory. I couldn't do this without you. And at Pathway to Victory, we're committed to teaching the whole counsel of God's Word, even the difficult parts, such as dealing with bitterness and forgiveness. And it's truly making a difference in homes all across North America and around the world. We deeply appreciate your partnership as together we pierce the darkness with the light of God's Word. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. If you'd like to receive a copy of the best-selling book by Dr. Jeffress called Invincible, Conquering the Mountains that Separate You from the Blessed Life, simply contact the Ministry of Pathway to Victory with a generous gift. Now, when you do, you'll also receive the CD and the DVD from a brand new message Dr. Jeffress recently delivered to an audience of national Christian broadcasters. The message is called, When Persecution Comes. Call us toll-free, 866-999-2965, or visit our website, that's at ptv.org. And when your gift is $75 or more, we'll also send you the complete collection of audio and video discs for the Invincible Teaching Series, along with a personal and group study guide. One more time, call 866-999-2965 or go online to ptv.org. You can also write to us. Here's the mailing address, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Join us again next time when Dr. Jeffress concludes this message called Moving from Bitterness to Forgiveness here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.